0: Well, as I I like to say, while speaking in front of people, which is like, I think at this church is my second time, Uh, good morning, people loved by God. All right, so to to start this, what is this, lesson? Lesson about a man, I want to read a little bit from the Bible and then pray. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All right, let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us together. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us well and taking care of. Thank you for providing for us and Lord I pray that you bless us here as we hear the story about a man who lived long long time ago Lord who did some good work for the um, church and who has influenced Christianity for the better Father God I pray um, that you bless us here as we listen help me to pick the right words to express what I prepared. And Father, I pray also that we learn um, good lessons from his life. And may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So who is this man that I prepared to speak on today? This man is Francis Uh I guess a more anglicized version of his name would be Francis Skorna, but I'm going to go with the hard one. Francis Skorna, has anybody heard of him? Who is he? Nobody. All right, you must not have been born in Belarus. <laughs> so Francis um uh, was a Renaissance intellectual, a medical doctor, philosopher, theologian, translator, and finally, towards the end of his life, a royal gardener. Uh, He is known mostly for um, printing or publishing the first book in Eastern Europe. Um, He's also known for that first book was the uh, Belarusian translation of the Bible, um, which made him a pioneer of the Belarusian language. So, and, and through that translation and through other books that he translated and published, he influenced Christianity. Um, and not only that, he also influenced um, printing traditions of other languages, other nations, and uh, he also influenced the uh, translation of the Ukrainian Bible, Victor, that's for you. Um, and but. Overall, there's not a lot of information about who he was. Um, There's not a lot of information, not a lot of writings from himself. The only or the main source that we have about who he was, what he believed, was from his commentaries in the Bibles that he produced. So let's back up a little bit and start from the beginning. Francisca Rina was born in a uh, city named Polotsk, which is today located in Belarus, but at that time it was located in a nation that no longer exists called the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. Polotsk was a uh, major trade and manufacturing center of Grand Grand Duchy of Lithuania, and uh, his family, where they were merchants, they're fur and leather merchants. Um, Eastern Europe at that time was known for producing furs and leathers and some other things. But that, that town was um, a manufacturing center of the region. And uh, by all accounts, it seems like he was born into an Eastern Orthodox family. In 1504, I guess when Skrina was around 30 years old, it's also unclear as to exactly when he was born. In 1504, he attended the University of Krakow, where he earned his Bachelor's of Arts. Uh, What's interesting is that University of Krakow was was also also the um, alma mater of Copernicus, who graduated 10 years earlier. It was uh, located in Poland. I think Copernicus is Polish. After Krakow, he went to Italy. Um, He's associated with the University of Padua. And some people say he didn't actually attend that university. but. He, when he arrived, he asked to be um, to take the final exam uh, in, o- in order to receive his doctorate in medicine. And he passed, and he got it, and he became a doctor. And I just want to point out, Copernicus also went to the university. I'm trying to make uh, Scarina sound legitimate. So after Padua, Copernicus ends up in Prague. Now, why exactly he went to Prague, how he ended up there, it's not clear. Some uh, speculate that he might have um, attended the University of Prague. And in Prague, he decides to translate and print the uh, Belarusian Bible. He called it, well, on the front page, it it was called, it said, Biblia Ruska. And this Bible was the first Belarusian um, translation. Before then, the Eastern Europe, like countries of Ukraine, well, the lands that were were now used, Ukraine, uh, Belarus, Lithuania, Russia, they used the Church Slavonic version, which is more of an older um, version. But he wanted he wanted to make a translation that would be more understandable by the people, I guess his people, where he was from, the common people. In 1520, after his uh, activity on the translation of the Bible, um, he left Prague for Vilnius. Vilnius was the capital of Lithuania. It is the capital of Lithuania today, but at that time it was also the capital of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. And uh, supposedly in Prague, there was an epidemic going around and some civil unrest at the time. While in uh, Vilnius in 1522, he opened a uh, printing house which at that time was the first one in Eastern Europe. And at that printing house, he published some other materials. There's this one book called The Little Travel Book. It was sort of a, a prayer book for the Eastern Orthodox reader that it included prayers and, and songs and holy days and things like that. Um, in 1523, he finally got married, which I guess he was like 50 by then. He married a, uh, a widow of, of a Vilnius mayor, the, that same mayor who kind of financed his printing uh, and uh, gave him a print shop to print his works. And uh, while he was in Vilnius, he also served as a personal physician and secretary to a Catholic bishop. Another work that he is known for that he published is called The Apostle, which is a collection of acts and epistles of the apostles. And that was his last and final work. Uh, in 1529, his brother died. And um, creditors were looking for Scarina to hold him responsible for the debts that his brothers owed. Around 1530, a fire destroyed more than half of Vilnius, where he lived. And uh, around that same time, his wife, Margarita, died. Some say possibly in a fire. And around that time, they uh, speculate that either Skarina or somebody close to him also went to Moscow to try to sell his Bibles. But um, since the Muscovites weren't, no, I'm kidding. I was going to say they weren't really the Ruskis then. Uh, they, they were known as the Muscovites or the Mus, Mus, Muscovite Rus at that time. Uh, they rejected his version. They said, uh, the guy who translated this is affiliated with the Catholic Church. And so they collected all the books that he brought, or somebody brought on his behalf, and they burned them. Hmm? I said that's what they did to Lutheran. It's very, the parallel, the same age. Very interesting. Yeah, so it seems like at that time, the printing of books was a very Protestant thing very Reformation thing. So it was not approved of by the Catholic Church or by the Eastern Orthodox. They were both opposed to it. Um, In 1535, no, 32, Skorina was, I think he was traveling through Poland, and uh, he got arrested and imprisoned so that he could pay his... Late brother's debts. I don't understand how somebody can pay off debts while they're in prison. That that kind of didn't make never made sense to me as far as history is concerned. Um, his nephew w- went to um, the king of that area and uh, to try to intervene for him on his behalf to say that he's not guilty for his brother's debts, that he shouldn't be imprisoned. Um, and in response to the complaint, uh, the, Francis Carina was awarded two royal privilege certificates. And those certificates exempted him from the dur- jurisdiction of all authorities except the king, which also freed him from prison. This king is called King Sigismund. I think Poland or Prussia. I think it was Poland. Or their European history. (laughs) It's all related somehow. (laughs) And the Prussians and the Germans are not the same. but. (laughs) But they are. Uh, around 1535, um, again, unknown as to why, but Scarina moves back to the Bohemian city of Prague. And there, while in Prague, he becomes employed by another king known as Emperor Ferdinand I, also known as King of the Romans. Um, while in Prague, Another tragedy happens in his life. His youngest son died in a fire. And finally, in 1551, Scarina, Dr. Francis Scarina, himself passes away, um, which I think if he was born in 1470 would make him an 81-year-old. So we have a man from Eastern Europe who's printing Bibles in the common people's language, you would think there, there would there, be a cause for a, I was going to say revolution, but reformation, right? Yes. So did it really happen? Did the reformation happen in Eastern Europe? You must be asking. Anybody want to know? Did Did it happen, Maybe we didn't know That's a good question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so. The Reformation, from what I read, it it happened, but it happened in a uh, Polish flavor, Um, which means that the Polish language and the people that were more associated with Polish culture were the ones who influenced the Reformation in Eastern Europe. Um, In 1563, the Polish people received a translation in their own language, a translation of the Bible, which was sponsored by a guy named Mikolay the Black, um, which was, who was a powerful and rich politician in the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, who became a Calvinist, and there's even records of course, him corresponding with John Calvin, um, where John Calvin was encouraging him to stay faithful um, and I think he, or somebody related to him, to this uh, Mikolai the, the Black, wanted John, John Calvin to come to uh, that region of Europe because I think they were struggling with the Catholic Church. They didn't have somebody like John Calvin who was headstrong, you know, uh, and who would be a pastor in a local church and write and write and write and teach and teach and teach. Um, but Mikołaj the Black, he did he did finance a Polish translation of the Bible, which fun fact was printed in the city that I was born in. That was kind of cool. Um, unfortunately, the Catholics came in with a Counter Reformation, um, and most of that progress was rolled back during the uh, 1500s, late 1500s. They say that most of his, most of this guys, Nikolai the Black, most of his children ended up converting to Catholicism, except for one, one daughter. Um, And one reason was that um, the way the Catholics had uh, more success in converting the nation is they, they brought a bunch of Jebusites who started schools? Who made, school, who made sure the school was really good? So everybody kind of had, you know, they had to send their kids there because they had the best schools. Um, I read that they, they were saying that the, the Jebusites were saying, you know, we're trying to tell the Protestant Protestants that, hey, we're not, we're not, we're not going to try to convert your children. We're just gonna give them the best education, you know. We have. We're not gonna try to convert anybody, and so they kind of convinced the Protestant elite to uh, send their kids to their schools, and eventually Do you mean Jesuits? Jesuits, Jebusites. Why did I say Jebusites? Are those the people from the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesuit. Jesuits. Yeah. Alright. I stand corrected. Jesu- Jesuits. Jesuits. Anyways, a little aside about that. Now let's return to Francis Karina and what he has done. Alright, so his most popular work is called uh, Biblia Rusca Okay. I don't know if anybody's gonna ask me. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about it. You guys know the term or the word Ruski 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 right? It's like Russian, Russian the Ruski's. Um so back during his time he's translating for the for people of Belarus were which were the Ruski's then. Because again also kind of complicated you got the Kievan Rus you got a bunch of other Rus Musk Mus, Muscovite, Rus. So the people were kind of related, but Biblia Ruska was more for the Belarusians. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, it's, it's um, they say it was in, in the old Belarusian. Um, so this work, uh, Biblia Ruska, was, he began printing individual books of the Bible in 1517. Also kind of interesting. What happened in 1517? That's right. Uh, that's, I, I guess that's the date for the beginning of the Reformation, mm-hmm. Protestant Reformation, 1517. Um, I, I find that fascinating that this guy from Eastern Europe ends up in Prague, and is starting to print the, the Bible in the common people's language in 1517. Anyways, he, the way he printed the Bible He actually didn't print all the books. He printed them individually. He started with the Psalms first and uh, went from there. He printed and published about 23 books of the Bible. His book of the Bible was kind of radical in its design and content for that time. So on the front cover, he had a a self-portrait, which was... (laughs) Styled after if you guys seen the uh, a painting of Saint Jerome in his study. So it's like so it has Francisca Rena sitting behind a desk, you know, in his study with a bunch of things around him on the cover. And of course, it has the title of, of the Bible, his picture, and then it has as a little box that basically says his name. He says, I'm from Francisca Rena, I'm from the city. You know, the honorable city of Polotsk, and his reason for writing the Bible, or translating the Bible. He didn't write it. Now, when I, when I, when I first came across that, I was thinking, why would he do that? Is it, is it for some sort of, uh, you know, self-glory, some sort of, you know, I don't know, popularity, sort of like when people... Oh, well, should I pick... Okay, John MacArthur Study Bible. You know, big John MacArthur on there. Um, Was it something like that? Or, you know, then I thought maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was him actually owning his work, you know, in the time when it was disapproved of by the Roman Catholic Church and also disapproved. By the Eastern Orthodox, maybe he was—that was him being unafraid, you know, to stand behind his publication. Maybe. Yeah. My ass. <laughs> right. Courage—that's a good word. Maybe it was courageous. Maybe it was uh, braggadocious. I don't know. So he said in in the he wrote the purpose for his translation. He said, first of all, the purpose for uh, the translation of the Bible was for the glory and honor of God, our Creator, Savior, and Comforter, One in Trinity, and then or the second purpose, is for the simple commonwealth people to the benefit and spread of good custom, so that having learned wisdom and living righteously in the world, the merciful God may be glorified as his great and holy name is worthy. From what he said, he had good ambitions. And he also said that in this book you will find all the medicine for your soul and body. Another thing that made this biblical translation unique was that it included commentary. Before every book, he had a commentary about what the book was about. He explained some things that could have been unclear or uh, unknown to common people, like why is this book called this, you know, and where does it come from, and what does it mean sort of thing. And the reason, I would say, for the commentary in, in his translation was that he not only wanted the people to read the Bible, to be able to read the Bible, but to also be able to understand the Bible. He said, so that not only doctors of science and educated people can understand it, but every simple and common person, by either reading or listening, may be able to understand what is necessary for the salvation of a soul. Also, another thing that made his translation unique and different for that time, it included pictures. It included engravings. It kind of reminds me, if you guys are are familiar with Doré, his engravings. Um, If you're not, you should look it up. It's, It's really impressive. Um, And another thing that made his Bible different was that it's smaller in size. It was, um, there's this format called a quarter format, which basically his Bible translation was quarter of the size of what the Bibles were usually. So smaller, it was easier to uh, handle and carry. Now there's, there's an account of a, of a man during the same period of time um, who lived during the time of Francis Carina, whose name was Matthias he was a um, what would you call it he was a person who copied Bibles not copied with the uh, malintention but as in he was the guy who, who, who wrote him out before the printing press it, they say it took him five years to finish copying a Bible by hand so with with Francis Carina, it, it it took him about two years to print the books of the Bibles that he printed right which is still a long time I mean it, it is it, it involves a lot of work a lot of wood carvings and organizing all those plates and whatnot. Um, but here's the thing with the printing press, you can print 100 pages a day. You know, So in the, in the end, you can have over 100 copies in that same period of time. Uh, as I mentioned before, the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox disapproved of the Bible for the lay people. They thought it was too sacred, uh, too holy for the common people one Roman Catholic cardinal is quoted as saying to allow common people to read the Bible is to give what is sacred to dogs and to cast pearls before swine. So as far as Francisco Rina's worldview because he didn't really write any other books except for you know mostly the commentaries before each Bible book that's our only source to to really know to 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 figure out where he stood um, theologically right some claim he was Eastern Orthodox it's usually the Eastern Orthodox that claim it and they they look at his work and try to f- see how there's you know Eastern Orthodox tradi- traditions in his work and how he must have been Eastern Orthodox, because he said this or that, or believed this or that, or wrote this or that. Um, others say he was a Roman Catholic, because he studied in Roman Catholic universities. Um, he worked for a Roman Catholic bishop. And in the end, he also worked for a Roman Catholic um, ruler, right? that emperor of Rome. Um, others say that he... Uh, might have been a Protestant. That, that's, I'm on that side. I, I don't know. There, there's a lot that we, we can see in his, his uh, writings and his commentary that kind of that show a lot of influence of uh, the uh, Protestant Reformation in his life. There's also a record of uh, somebody in history accusing Francis Carina as being a heretic Hussite. That's a, that's a good sign. Whose uh, sides were the followers of Jan Hus or John Huss? Um, they were mostly in uh, Bohemia or where, where Czech Republic. is. So, anyways, as far as which Christian group he belonged to, he did not tell us. No one knows. It's all for assumption. Up for assumption. Okay, as far as his religious beliefs, his uh, theology, uh, we can derive that from his commentary in his uh, Bible translation. Um, and it seems that it, even though his style of uh, Bible translation and just the, whole, the way the book was formed and how it looked was pretty radical for that time and very unconservative, um, his commentary was... Very conservative. It was uh, influenced by the likes of Jerome, of Stridon, or John Chrysostom, or Origin, and Origin. Um, his uh, biblical interpretation it was very allegorical, which I guess for that time was kind of popular. Um, where they looked at the Old Testament. Well, it was also, I guess, Christocentric. So they were looking at the Old Testament, and everything, every kind of detail was explained to how it connected to Christ. Um, that was, I think, a popular view at that time. It seemed that, I guess you could call him patriotic, because when he, each book of the Bible included his name and where he was from, and he says in, in one of the commentaries, he says, For just as the beasts prowling in the desert are born with a knowledge of their lairs, birds flying in the air know their nests, fish swimming in the sea, and rivers sense their whirlpools, and bees and their like defend their hives, so in the same way men have a great love for the place where, by the will of God, they were born and raised. And I think... Uh, that explains as to why he was so uh, you could say passionate about that translation and printing books for that uh, region of europe Um, because he wanted to equip the people i guess his fellow ruskies with uh bibles and 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 Religious material, so they could be uh, grow in their faith and understanding. Uh, like I said before, the Old Testament commentary is very Christocentric. Um, one of the things, let's see, I just wanted to. Okay, this is, he said in uh, before Book of Joshua. It says Joshua circumcised the sons of Israel with stone knives. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone, has circumcised our hearts with his holy words. And so he kind of makes that connection. Bobby, you're right. It is pretty awesome. There's, there's a lot of uh, commentary I, I want to read about each book. You guys want to hear it? We have time. He, yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, and in in his commentary before the book of uh, Psalms, he says, seeing the usefulness, so this was the first book that he uh, published, produced, and translated. Um, Seeing the usefulness of this small book, I decided to print the Psalter in Ruthenian words, in Slavonic language, for the glory of God in the first place, and for the good of everyone, because the merciful God sent me to the world from this people. In them, he says, there is justice, spiritual and bodily purity, knowledge of every truth, wisdom, and perfect intelligence, kindness and charity without hypocrisy, and all other virtues flow from it as from a spring. There is a great mystery of God, one and trinity, and of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, his suffering and resurrection, hope of the resurrection from the dead and eternal life. Fear of the last judgment and eternal fire, and the revelation of many hidden mysteries. You'll find all these things in this little book of Psalms, as if in a great treasure house. So you can see, like he's he's passionate about scriptures, and he wants people to be able to read and to draw draw out these uh, precious things that he appreciates, and he also wants. The lay people to appreciate as well. Um, He he also saw the book of Psalms, I guess, kind of very practical to people, useful uh, for all people in all walks and ages of life. He says, A psalm is a shield against demonic nighttime dreams. Uh, I could have translated it as nightmares. Nighttime dreams and fears, a peace in daily cares and labors, a defender and source of joy to the young, an entertainment and song to the old, a pious prayer, an adornment for women, a beginning of good instruction for small children, an increase in learning for the young people, and for men, great strengthening. You see, he, he, he says not only the Bible is able to teach you great truths about God and Jesus Christ, but it's also useful in in every day life. Question do you, do you think he intended his the his um, the psalms that he published to be just read or also sung and like it sung like chanted I think I think red okay. because he, he produced another work called the uh, little I think it's called Little, little, little Travel Book, um, where, where he included more of like the, the songs and the prayers and the um, holidays, kind of targeting mostly the Eastern Orthodox people. In the book of Daniel, uh, he says, this is what he sees in the book of Daniel. He says, It's about incarnation of the eternal word from the pure virgin, of Christ's suffering and death, of our deliverance from God's wrath and of devil's power, of the antichrist and his seductiveness, of the resurrection from the dead, of God's fearful judgment, of sinner's doom, and eternal reign of the Son of God with his elect. Reading some of his uh, commentaries made me think, where do I see those things in the book, like in the Book of Daniel? Where do we see the the well, eternal reign of the Son of God with his elect? and i'm not I'm not saying he's wrong. it's just that what I'm saying is he's right. I'm sorry. I say he's right. That's yeah chapter 7 perhaps all right I want to read a few more of uh, things he had to say book of Job he says it needs to be read by everyone for in it is light of our lives medicine for the soul comfort for the grieving but most importantly what we'll find in the misfortune and suffering is true hope of resurrection from the dead and of life everlasting all, that's just a small section maybe he yeah i mean what yeah. I mean, uh, well, that one is a little more clear i think job says um I wish I had that passage ready, but he I mean, and that I will see him yeah, book of, well, I already mentioned Joshua, Proverbs. Here's what Francis Carina had to say about Proverbs. Therefore I, Francis Carina's son from Polotsk, a doctor of medical sciences, understanding that without the fear of God, without wisdom, and without good behavior, it is impossible for people to live piously together on earth. I decided to print Proverbs in Ruthenian which Ruthenian, it's like Latinized version of Rus. I guess Rus is more of a Greek version, so same thing. In Ruthenian, first of all, for the glory and honor of God, our creator, savior, and comforter, one in trinity, and then for the simple commonwealth people to the benefit and spread of good customs, so that having learned wisdom and living righteously in the world, the merciful God may be glorified, as his great and holy name is worthy. In these Proverbs is concealed wisdom, like strength in a precious stone, like gold in the earth, and a kernel in a nut. And also, I want to read a little bit of his uh, description of spirit of wisdom, which is mentioned in Proverbs. Truly, it contains the spirit of wisdom, which is holy, unified, diverse, full of sense, modest, eloquent, flexible, undefiled, true, sweet, pure, stable, good-hearted, and possessing all other noble virtues. And finally, a little bit from the New Testament. So in his uh, forward to 1 John He says, the books of the Bible are written openly. He's talking about his um, translation. They're written openly in that they can be understood not only by doctors and educated people, but by any simple common man. And thus, children and simple people will learn while teachers and wise people will be amazed. Like wondrous river, it is shallow enough for a lamb to cross it, but deep enough to make an elephant swim. Have you guys ever heard that line? I've heard it before, I didn't, I didn't know he said it. But I guess, okay, they also say, it, he didn't come up with that line, I think Jerome of um, Stridon actually is the one that credited for um, saying that. Uh, so there you have it, brothers and sisters, Dr. Francis, Francis Carina. So the Czech version came out earlier. I think about ten or eleven years earlier. Um, they say he was influenced by the Czech version, but he also, I read, he used um, also used the church, the the old Church Slavonic version, and some Greek versions, I think, as well, uh, of the Bible. No, no. Uh, it's based more, I guess, on the Greek and the Hebrew. So it's more the Eastern Orthodox version. Um, but I don't, I don't, he knew Latin. But again, it's, it's kind of speculation. Right. Okay. It's just fascinating. It, his translations precede Tyndale and Luther. I mean, there have been others who translated into the tongue much earlier, like Wycliffe. Yeah. Well, I guess it went on earlier in in Prague, with with Jan Hus and uh, so. But yeah, it is it is pretty interesting. And um, Francisca Rina is is known in the countries of like uh, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, Moldova, Eugene. Um, And Russia, and and he's seen as a as a historically very important figure. Now, secular folks they don't really care about his theology. They like him as 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 more of a cultural symbol. You know, the one who printed uh, the Bible, and you know, it's called Biblia Ruska, which I think appeals more to the Russian crowd because ah, Russian. not so fast, yeah. You you, you guys burned it. Um, <laughs> 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 but it's also interesting. They say that when um, Russian Empire or when Belarus became part of Russian Empire, all the, the works of Francisca Rena were removed from Belarus. Um, they took him to Russian cities and I guess some other people took him to other nations, but It seems like okay. I don't want to get political. Maybe somebody's looking for roots in other nations. You yeah. <laughs> uh, Albert Moeller, He in his um, what's his podcast called? The briefing. Was it last week? The briefing. No, that one. That, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, it, I think last week he had a podcast about some history um, of um, Slavic, the, the, the Rus people, and, and how Russia is related to that, and how it, it, it wants Ukraine because it wants to be part of that, um, the, that, that history, and it wanted it for itself so it could say, this is where we're from. This is our roots. But Ukraine doesn't want that. They want it for themselves. And so that's part of the conflict. Supposedly. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so you're, to be clear, you're saying that he, he produced the first printed as opposed to hand-copy Bible. Um, I'm trying to figure out, is the Belarusian language in Cyrillic? Is that the alphabet you use? So the reason he's a pioneer in the Belarusian language was because I think he was the first one to actually write it down, write it down, and he used Cyrillic I'm for just that. Thinking, I mean, there's from 800 something in Prague. Yeah. No, you're not, but Czech or, I don't know, I guess at the time they were Bohemia, they're considered Western Slavs. So I think Poland and beyond is Western Slavic, and uh, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, Russia, Eastern Slavic. So as far as Eastern Europe, um, his translation was the first one in Eastern Slavic. Yeah, and then there's the Southern Slavs with the Serbia and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it took him a couple hundred years to come around to uh, providing translations and uh, different languages and encouraging them to study the Bible. I'm, I'm seeing it, this is just my conjecture, it just seems like shafts of light are hitting various parts of all over Europe. Yeah. It's kind of on like the same idea that this was needed. And, uh, was and in the case of Francisco Reno, it seems like with good intentions. For the glory of God and for the good of the people. You had a question? I guess the church as a whole needed a reformation, not just the Roman Catholic Church. Greg? Have you tried reading any of his original work? Really it? It, yes. It's it's kind of it's I wanna say readable. Leg- no, I mean it is legible. It's just it, the letters are a little different and, and the language is did, did you older. This or did you it? <laughs> I I uh a little bit and corrected some of the translations. But anyways. It's not about me. Um, it's about are there, any scholars on this there are, but they're they're mostly Russian speaking. So y- yes. Uh, one thing about uh, studying him was it was really hard to find a um, a book. You know, most of the people who come up here have a book with them. Uh, I had to just comb through a bunch of articles and Wikipedia, and I'll all the lesser uh, sources. Um, anyway, so Francisca Renna, that's his life. He was passionate about the Bible. And I think what we can take away from this is that the Bible is good. The Bible is useful. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It, it, it blesses our spiritual life, and it can also bless our physical life, according to Francisca Rena. And I want to encourage everyone to read their Bibles for their own selves, on their own selves, study it Um, and appreciate it for what it is it took a lot of people a lot of effort to get it to us to where we can understand it and one way we can honor those translations is by appreciating and uh, reading it and most of all we can honor God by appreciating his word trusting his promises and uh, being sanctified by his scriptures so let us pray Father God, you are great, and what you do on earth is beyond what is known to us, Father. For in different times of history, you have had um, your dealings with different nations, different peoples. It wasn't only Israel that you were concerned about, but you were concerned about all people. For um, As John says, you love the whole world, and you care about souls, that they come to the knowledge of You and Father, we are grateful to, have, to, to, to be part of Your uh, enlightenment. You have enlightened, enlightened our minds and, and soften our hearts that we may uh, receive Your Scriptures and believe Your Scriptures and believe Your Word. Lord, help us to trust You and obey You and to seek to lead a holy life. And Father, sanctify us by Your Word for your word is truth. Lord, we are grateful to you for the opportunity to learn about other people from other, um, from long time ago, from history. Um, I pray that you bless us and guide us, and may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.